You now tuned in to the Gunk Town Podcast. I'm your boy Doug B. We ain't got nothing to talk about, but we got something to talk about. Let's go. Good people, good people, good people. Welcome back to the Gump Town Podcast, episode 102. I'm your boy, Doug B. If you tuned in to this podcast, thank you for your time and your attention. I really appreciate you giving this podcast a shot. Today's guest is the founder and owner of Able Home Care Services, LLC. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm sure we'll all be inspired by his story. Let's chop it up with Lamar Barber. Lamar, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you for to see another day. Yes, sir. No doubt. First things first, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chop it up with me a few minutes. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, you know, especially about, you know, some of the things that we're working towards. You know, Able Home Care is more than just uh, a business. It's, it's uh, my lifeblood. It's been years and years of just being able to provide a service for people in their most uh I mean, the hour of need, you know, and then, you know, throughout the pandemic, I'll, during my travels as a you know registered nurse, I've seen the, the need that has evolved from the pandemic where people were not able to get to their appointments. And that's how able non-emergency medical transport services were was was born out of that specific need that I was observing, you know, in, you know, this particular region of the United States. Okay, sounds good, man. And before we appreciate you sharing that tidbit, but before we go into talking about um, what you got going on in business and depth at Able Home Care Services LLC, let's get to know the man behind the brand. What's your story? Well, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, spent a number of years, you know, growing up in suburban lifestyle, you know. We were born middle. I was born middle class. Lived a middle class lifestyle until such a time that you know my father and mother they decided to leave Atlanta uh, at, at the tender age of twelve, and uh, we moved out to uh, Dallas, Texas, or a suburb of Dallas, Texas. Uh, during that time, I was uh, immersed in a whole different, um, different class of people, different uh, ethnic origin, different just different in every way that I could imagine. Because if you know anything about Atlanta, it's all about, you know, us and how we supposed to have uh, everything at our fingertips. But when you're, when you're placed in a situation where you have to assimilate, there are certain lessons that I learned as a child that I've carried on, you know, throughout my lifetime. So I'm good. And those things, those experiences that were bad, I took those experiences and I, I made them into something positive in my life. Um, at this point, I am 51 years of age. I live in Fort Deposit, Alabama. Um, I married my wife in 2012, and that's where Able Home Care originated from. The idea was brought forth from my wife. Of course, you know, being a nurse uh, by profession, I had to do my due diligence to explore the opportunity that providing a home care service would uh, afford us. And so with all that being said, uh, after I did my research, we formed the LLC. And two years later, we actually started providing services here in the River Region uh, through two different organizations that maybe everyone uh, may or may not be aware of. But the first one was South Central Alabama Development Commission. 
and the other is Central Alabama Asian Consortium. Now, if you're not familiar with those two organizations, they are the, the um, providers or the brokers for individuals receiving Medicaid waiver program services. And that is how we began our journey in the healthcare, um, uh, the privatization of healthcare through the Medicaid waiver program, which allowed us to see and, and care for individuals who did not have the financial means to actually pay for the services, but that it was state-sponsored and allowed us to get into some of the areas that we saw the greatest need in. Um, Montgomery County being one of those areas, but Lowndes County being a greater area of a specific need that we found uh, over the years of providing services. And during our tenure with Medicaid waiver services, we grew our clientele from uh, a few to almost 125 individuals throughout three to four counties, including Butler, Lowndes, Crenshaw, and Pike counties. We, and then we added uh, Montgomery County when we came on board with Central Alabama Asian Consortium. Uh, we provided services in those counties as well, and we added on an additional two counties with that uh, organization. And that brought us into Montgomery, Otago, and Elmore counties. And we we grew to about 30 to 40 individuals in those areas as well. But then the pandemic came and kind of put us back and we uh, we had to shut down our operations due to the widespread, you know, disease that was being, um, uh, that was affecting us and affecting the people that we, you know, we service. So with that being said, we had to take a step back reorganize and that gave me an opportunity to start traveling as a nurse um, which is my profession. Uh, being a registered nurse has given me opportunities to actually see people where they are and to be able to understand that even though you may be in the hospital today tomorrow you're going to need some help and family and friends are always there but they always have to you know there are certain situations that they have to go and they have to return back to work. Not everyone has the opportunity to stay at home and work from home. So this is the reason why we continued our efforts to become the provider of choice in the River Region so that we can actually provide a service that people would want and, is, and they really deserve to have um, in their homes. And we're working on programs and processes to actually make it to where people can afford our services, not only um, from a, from a standpoint of affluence, but to those individuals who cannot and, and will, will not ever be able to afford us because home care at its current state is not part of the healthcare continuum. And if you're not, if you're not aware of that, Medicare does not pay for home care services. So there's a lot of people being left behind due to the fact that their private insurances won't allow us to bill for the services they, that they most need and desire. And so this is the reason why, you know, home care and non-emergency medical transport services are needed. Mm. And that's my story, you know, you know, in a nutshell. Yes, sir. Appreciate you sharing that story. So I want to back up a little bit. I know you said you from Atlanta ended up moving to Dallas. I've never been to Dallas. I've been to Atlanta several times. What were some of those main cultural differences you noticed between the two cities? Well, when I went to high school, there were only in the total high school that I went to, there was 2,000 students and there was less than 30 individuals of color in that school, in that school that I attended. So uh, life, life lessons were learned. Uh, I learned to actually 
adapt some of my mannerisms, mannerisms, uh, sorry about that, some of my mannerisms to uh conform and to assimilate to their way of thinking you know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't think that that's you know something um hard to do but when you're surrounded by people who don't think like you do or act like you do or even or even consider you uh as being an equal you have to learn how to navigate within the within those uh areas of life and you have to be able to see the value in both sides of the equation so that's one reason why when I was in high school, I learned to work with everyone mm-hmm. because there was opportunity to understand how other people, you know, how the others thought. And then there was some Hispanics and some Asians that were attending the school at, at, at the same time. But, you know, with that being said, we, we had opportunities to learn about each other's culture. We had opportunity to discuss things that were not traditionally, uh, you know, spoken about in your average, you know, uh, black home, you know, mm-hmm. as far as finances, uh, about, you know, being prepared to to go into different areas of life. Um, my friend, his name was Nick. Uh, he, when he graduated high school, you know, he was a bum in high school, but he went on to college. Now, mm-hmm. from there, I don't know exactly where he went. I took a different path. And I joined the United States Navy uh, out of high school, and I turned 18 in boot camp. And that gave me another area of you know, of evolving my, my mindset to understand that this is not just a black and a white thing. This is a global thing. This is either this is pe- this is a people thing. And people have to learn to, to work within um, each other's areas, but at the same time, they have to learn to accept our differences, embrace them, and then push forward beyond those those limitations that we place in our lives. Right. You know, huh? we, we can see ourselves, you know, but when we can't see ourselves, you know, talking to individuals who don't share our faith, who don't share our mindset, who don't share anything at all, we have to make, uh, we have to create opportunities to build bridges, to be able mm-hmm. to get people to understand that this is not just about the color of our skin. It goes deeper than that. It goes about the heart, the need, the the compassion, the empathy, everything that makes us human, everything that makes us children of the Most High God, everything that makes us individuals, everything that separates us is just things that we have to be able to talk about in an intelligent manner and come to an understanding that I'm not right and you're not wrong. We can find common ground in any situation and then we can build from that. Right. That's amazing, man. Like the fact that you were able to come out of Atlanta, which is black excellence, you know, you, you're around a lot of your own all the time. So going to Dallas gave you an opportunity to get exposed to new cultures. And that's cool. Like, I think that is what's needed to adapt in this world. And it sounds like moving to Dallas. While at first I know it was a culture shock and you was like, man, I'm accustomed to being around my people all the time. You got a chance to be around other races and learn, like you said, different customs and of different cultures. That's amazing. That's what it's about because it's it's more than just us in this world. So it's important to be able to adapt and collaborate with any and everybody. I agree. You know, and, <laughs> and that's one reason why, you know, some some of the people that I have dealt with over the years, they're saying, well, don't you realize you're black? And I'm like, is that supposed to be something that I'm supposed to be ashamed of? Right. Or is that something that, that 
that um I'm limited that limits me from the opportunities that anyone else can enjoy. Right. Exactly. And I said, no, you know, we are all in the same under the skin. You know, if if I cut you and you cut me, we gonna we gonna bleed red blood. It's True. not gonna change the fact that you know everything that we have, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's all the same. Now it's it's a different perspective based on where you come from and where you're looking to go. Right. Absolutely. And that's you hit the nail on the head. Skin color shouldn't limit you. It shouldn't limit what you have access to, who you collaborate with, and that's what it's all about. So you being an RN, where did you do your schooling at? Undergrad, grad? Where did you do all your college at? Well, actually, that started here in Alabama because there was a time in my life I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do mm -hmm. um, outside of high school and outside of the military. When I came home, I basically had no marketable skills uh, to speak of. <laughs> Surprising, right? You know, everybody say the military is a leg up. I came out just as lost as I could be, but... Uh, I knew I had this desire to 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 you know to serve people, you know. And the way that that started out when I came out of the military, I did a lot of different things. I did food service, I bartended, I bartended, um, I waited tables in Atlanta. Uh I went back to Atlanta out of the military. Uh with waited tables. Uh I worked in uh, a county jail. Uh, as a uh, correctional officer, uh, I've also done, you know, different types of uh, uh, medical work. I became a CNA uh, back in 96. Yeah, back in 96. And I did some I did some working within nursing homes and hospitals during that time. And uh, everybody around me is saying, Lamar, you, you could be more than this. You could do more than that. I'm like, OK, well, you know, it sounds good, you know, but I'm all right where I am you know, right now. I'm good. I just need to be able to, you know, uh, cultivate, you know, everything that I'm working with now. But um, I guess it came around 1996 or 97. I decided to, you know, take on healthcare as a full time uh, opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now, originally, when I was in Atlanta, I was being groomed to be a doctor. You know, I was going to school Monday through Saturday. And that kind of upset me, you know, being a kid in Atlanta, you know, your friends out playing football in the, in the, in the yard, whenever, and you're having to get up at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning to go to a school. So, you know, that was a difference, you know, that, that was a difference in how I was raised and, and what I was, you know, uh, deemed to be, you know, worthy of, you know, being in Atlanta that did expose me to a higher level of, you know, and people wanted me to excel in life and not to be left behind. But, you know, when all that uh, disappeared, um, my, my desire to be in healthcare or be a physician uh, kind of left with it because there was nobody really involved with my uh, education. You know, I just did what I had to do to get out of high school. And I knew that when I got out of the military, I could go back to medical school. But at that point, I just was lost. You know, I, I didn't have a path forward. Uh, no uh, resources to speak of you know the GIB on the paper so much but at the same time the rest are got to come out your own pocket and people don't realize that you know right. so um I decided I said well I like people and I like you know serving people so I decided to go to nursing school and I started out uh as an LPN and I stayed at LPN for about two years 
as soon as I graduated from that program at Lurling B. Wallace Community College, which was located, which is located down in Op, Alabama. Uh, I graduated from that uh, course of study, and that was in 96 or 90, no, that was 98, 99, yeah. Uh, graduated from that course of study, and then I stayed at LPM for about two or three years when I went back in to get my, my social degree at the same school, uh, Lurling B. Wallace Community College. They had an associate degree uh, nursing program that afforded me to take what I learned as an LPN and apply towards the registered nurse uh, uh, designation, you know. Uh, with that being said, I went through that course of study and I graduated in 2008 uh, from that course of study. And then uh, I became, actually, I worked as a registered nurse with an associate degree for a number of years from like 08 to um, 2020, about 12, 13 years, you know, give or take. And uh, a close personal friend of mine uh, said, Lamar, you'd you be a good, you know, registered nurse. I said, well, I'm already a registered nurse. said, but do you have your best degree? And I said, oh, well, the best degree going to get you, you know, because the way I look at it, if it ain't dollars, it don't make sense to me, right? Right. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So I said, you know, I'm going to go back to school and pay for something. I mean, what is it? what's in it for me, right? I got to look right. at, the, the, you know, the, the, the situation, you know. And so, you know, she, she kind of pushed, you know, she pushed and prod and then she talked to me, you know, at, you know, a lot, you know, go mm -hmm. back and get your best degree. And I can have you come join me and my team, you know, working with the state of Alabama. All right. So I said, okay, well, I get, I said, I can stay behind the desk, you know, and just do what I do, you know, and, and, and be happy, you know, cause the job I was working at that point was within a correctional facility. Um, if anybody's familiar, Kilby correctional facility, it's a processing center for all inmates, all male inmates in the state of Alabama. And I worked there for like two years. Um, Okay. And so, I went back to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went back to school that I got my uh, bachelor's degree and I graduated from AUM, Auburn University of Montgomery in 2021. Wow. But I know man. what you want to ask. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying, wow, man, what a journey. But go ahead, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that nursing has afforded me a lot of opportunity to see people, you know, and to see people. In, in their best situation, in their worst situation. And the one thing that I take from nursing, you know, from, from the beginning, even to this moment, is that there's a need for people to be cared for. Mm -hmm. And that's all I want to do. I want to take care of not only the people here in Lyons County, I want to take care of everyone that comes up under our umbrella. I want to give them a place of safety. I want to give them opportunity to live their best lives even though people don't realize that nurses see people at the lowest state. I mean, if, if you look at nursing as a whole, I see individuals when they're, when they can't breathe, when they're incontinent of their bowel and bladder, when they're throwing up, when they're running fevers, when they have infections, when they have, you know, bed sores, with everything that could go wrong in a person's life. And I'm there to bring them back to health. And and that's what I draw from nursing. I you know I think that I made the the, the best career choice possible for me. I can't speak for anybody else because there's a there's a generation of nurses, old and new, that came into this whole nursing thing and you know with the wrong un understanding. You know, people say, "Oh, you're a nurse, you're making a lot of money." It's not about the money. It's about the it's not a, you know it's never been about the money. Yeah, I have to I have to pay my bills like everyone else. And yes, you know. 
nursing has allowed me to, you know, to enjoy my life. But at the same time, this is the work that I have pledged my life. This is the work that I see that humanity needs, no matter where I go. People need assistance. And that's the reason why I do what I do. That's the reason why we started the business. Yes, it wasn't sir. because I wanted to be on I, I mean, the money, you know, if right. I got 20 bucks in the bank and my bills, are, I'm good. Right, right. Yeah, no doubt. You know? I mean, and to be honest with you, if people do have something to say about money, we all do stuff for money. Like That's why we go to work. It's like it's one of those things. It's a byproduct of what you do. You go, you did all that schooling. And when you get to the level of going through nursing school and everything you went through, you you earn that, right? Because you, you're dealing with people's lives. So naturally, I would think, even if you're not doing it for the money, you're going to be compensated well just from the nature of work that you're doing. But let's back up a little bit. I know you're saying you're in the military. And first things first, I want to thank you for your service. So how long did you serve and what's your most memorable duty station while you were in the military? Uh, I was in the United States Navy from 1989 to 1993. Uh, I served in Yokosuka, Japan. I said, if I was going to go in the military, I want to get as far away from the States. I want to see different cultures. I want to see people. I want to just immerse myself in culture, right? Mm -hmm. And during my time of service, I was um, fortunate enough to go to war uh, during Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Wow. And um you know, we were we were in, on duty uh, in the um, district uh, up in Kuwait. You know, and we spent six months on on uh, on scene. Um, ba basically, we didn't sleep <laughs> six months. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And uh, we had the opportunity to you know to see. Uh, now everybody talks about you know Abu Dhabi and you know all those you know United Arab Emirates. This was a time that none of that existed. Right. <laughs> I mean, none of this. Kuwait was not what you see. Abu Dhabi was not what you what you see on the commercials. Now, this place was like surrounded by desert and there was nothing, absolutely nothing there. And I was fortunate enough to see, you know, those areas um, during my during my duty uh, to and then to see what it's been transformed to. It's like amazing to me. Uh, I did. And then we also had the opportunity to come when we got through you know, staying on station in, in uh, uh, Kuwait, we journeyed back and I had the opportunity to go to Thailand, Singapore, the Philippines, um, Taiwan, Korea. Uh, also had the opportunity. We almost made it to uh, Australia, but we ended up turning back. You know, I mm. do the uh, I do uh, change, but we didn't make it to to uh, Australia. I, I really wanted to see Australia, but. You know, it wasn't a cause for us. So, you know, we came back and uh, I went all over Japan. You know, I immersed myself in the culture there, you know, learned enough to be dangerous as far as the language. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, got to go to Tokyo, uh, sit at the foot of Mount Fuji, you know, just. But see, these are the things that made me who I am today. So mm -hmm. that's one reason why I. I think that you know everything that I've been through, even though it's it's been it's been a great journey. Right. I, I can't, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. Um, just being able to you know to meet people where they live and, and and to understand how they live and and what they're thinking about and what's and what their concerns are. I think that's what made me the man I am today. Because you know, without the, those experiences, where would I be? 
Right. And that's a that's a million dollar question. That's the beauty of going through life and having those experiences. So you had a chance to serve in the military, fighting war, see Singapore, Japan and all these other places. And you got a chance to see something way bigger than Atlanta, way bigger than Dallas, way bigger than Montgomery. Yeah. And that's what travel yeah. does. I haven't traveled to the extent that you have, but I have been a few places. And that's the great thing about seeing different cultures, trying different foods, being exposed to different things. So while you were in the military, did you ever try any exotic foods? And if so, I want to hear about it. And like anything outside of the norm, anything outside of you chicken. You know what I about that? I'm talking about, look, look, chicken ain't, ain't, is not, is not it. I'm going to tell you what, what, something that people would not understand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let, let's talk about the beans. Now, the indigenous uh, <laughs> the, the kingdom, uh, animal kingdom is a little bit different than it is here in the South, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in the South, you know, people have been known to eat raccoons, possums, squirrels, rabbits, and things of that nature. Right. But have you ever had a monkey shish kebab? No, sir. <laughs> but you didn't know when the monkey, you didn't know, you thought it was chicken. Right. Wow. They, they would kill monkeys and you know and fry them up, wow. you know, you know, and, and and marinate them jokers. You know, you wouldn't know you were eating a monkey. Um, and then as far as uh, the Japanese cuisine, you know, they it now they have a mixture of you know a lot of vegetable base um, and noodles, different types of noodles, different consistency of noodles, um, different types of bases that they you know like. We think of ramen, uh, those ramen, the cup of noodle, uh, cup of noodle uh, cups that we mm-hmm. eat over here. Yeah. But if you eat the real deal Japanese cuisine, you, I mean, it's it's nothing like it because they have such a a, a vibrant mix of flavors that you when I can't even explain it to you. You just have to eat the stuff to understand that this is like you know what they have adapted here from different you know uh, countries. It's not authentic. They say it's authentic, but it's not. Because if you go to Japan, you go to any one of these other countries that I've traveled to, that the the food is phenomenal. And you just you just can't, there's no there's no equal to what's happening over there and what's happening here. Because basically, you know, we over here, we want three things on our plate: meat, potatoes, and some type of bread. Right. right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and that's how we have come into you know this this overwhelming number of people who are you know not in their best health, right? Because if you eat authentic food, clean food, food that actually has nutritional value that hasn't been boiled out or baked out or fried out, then you know there's opportunity. That's why you don't see a lot of other cultures you know dealing with some of the comorbidities you know, diseases that we face, you know, as as a group. Uh, diabetes being one, there's very few people who are diabetic in, in other cultures because they eat clean food. And right. people don't understand, you know, this it's a difference in how you eat and what you, you know, you can eat, you can eat a ton of food, but if it's the right food, you'll lose weight. But if, you, right. if it's wrong, if it's prepared wrong, you'll gain weight and you'll become ill, right? Right. Right. So, you know, these are the things that I have drawn, you know, I, I have drawn from, you know, culturally speaking, there's an opportunity for us to have, you know, a lot more um, when it came down to food and, and culture and, and health and well-being. It's all, it's, it's all intertwined. It's all together. And you have to look at it, every part of it 
and then bring it together in a way that makes sense for not only me, but you, you know. Yes, sir. Without question, I definitely, you're definitely right about that just in terms of how we eat over here. A lot of stuff we have over here is artificial and we eat the wrong way. We have a whole bunch of starch and bread and meat on our plate. And when we should have more greens, just as much greens that we have uh, starch. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, those other cultures. And, you know, I'm going to tell you something else, Lamar, that I, I picked up on, like even eating Chinese food. Even if you go into a Chinese restaurant over here in the States, you never see them eating the stuff that they serving us. They eating noodles. They eating everything but the stuff that they serving us. They're not eating no sesame chicken. So that's, that is eye-opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and see, people don't realize that if you watch the people mm -hmm. that supposed to be preparing our food, and like you said, you go to a Chinese restaurant, you would think they'd be, you know, just gorging on the food that they're preparing, but they're not. Oh. <laughs> they're sticking to the to the diet that they were brought up on, right? But yet, yeah, we're here, and they're frying everything in front of us, you know, and, and handing it over. Like, oh, you have a good day now, right? Um, you know, <laughs> it's it's eye opening to say the least, you know. And, and I I've noticed that myself, but you know, we we have to do more, and we have to educate ourselves, you know, more about what it is that we get to be doing for ourselves. You know, in order to gain our health back. Right, without question. Absolutely. So let's talk more about home, able home care. You pretty much done a great job already breaking down what you do, why you do it. So we can go right into that next portion. So whenever I have entrepreneurs on the platform like yourself, I'd like to talk about three things, the aha moment, action, and audacity. Take us back to your aha moment when you first had the idea to create Able Home Care Services, LLC. Well, I would say it was, we formed a business in 2012. The aha moment came to me when we actually started providing services in, in 2014. Because if I have my hands to anything, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm not going to put something together that is not right. I'm not going to involve myself in anything that is put together halfway or just, you know, not correct or, you know, not legal, you know, because there's a lot of people that are starting <laughs> services and they have no license. They have no understanding of what it is to have insurance. They don't even know what a bond looks like. And when we started with the waiver program, I would say two months into our providing services, we saw that there was this tremendous need. And I'm talking about it was overwhelming to see the number of people that, and, and where they lived was even more um, eye-opening because you would think in this day and time that there will be people that will have just the basic, you know, necessities of life. And I found that there were a lot of people who just didn't have it. They didn't have clean water. They, didn't, they, they, they flushed their toilet and they went through a pipe out the back of the house into the woods. Uh, there were people who you thought they had it because they drove this nice car, but when you went back to the house, it was like, oh my God, they had no food. They had no understanding of what it was to be whole. And we we went, and I went, and, and my wife went, and some of the people that we were working with in the early days, we went, and we saw this, this overwhelming need. And I was like, oh my God, how can one person, how can I, how can I, my wife, the people that were working with me at that point, you know, have the, um, you know, fulfill the need, 
that's out there. There's still places in, in Alabama and Montgomery that you would think would have paved roads. They're still on dirt roads in Montgomery. Right. There's still people that are, for lack of a better term, living hand to mouth. And they didn't have the resources necessary to pay for the, the medicine, let alone buy groceries. There were people that came from affluence that found themselves on the other side of the rainbow. All right. They lost everything. And now they're finding themselves in places that they really, you know, you see this big house, no furniture inside of it. Right. Wow. But, you know, it, you know just because they wanted to keep this ideal mm-hmm. that they would do well, but they weren't. They, they, were, they were bad off. And it's not just black. It was white. It was Hispanics. It was people just... And there was no, there was no common, there was nothing common about it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Excuse me. There was nothing, there was nothing common about one from the other. It hit every ethnic group. Right. It, it crossed social economic boundaries. It crossed, it crossed everything. I mean, everything that you could think of that divides us, this crossed every barrier. Everything that you thought divided us. It put us in a place where we said, oh, my God, this this is too much. And so we we sought to help the situation out the best way we knew we knew how. And so we went through the we took the opportunity to, to bring in individuals who had a now I'm not going to say a like passion because, you know, my passion may supersede over everybody's at this point. But, you know, they were like minded and they were willing to do this work. And we put in the work and we made them responsible for caring for people who basically couldn't care for themselves. So that was my aha. Okay. Sounds good, man. Just having that passion for people and just seeing how conditions were for a lot of people. You wanted to help people who didn't have direct necessary, who didn't have the resources and all that good stuff. So in terms of, so the action portion after having your aha moment, Sounds like you jumped right into action in terms of coming up with a name and getting started. So you said you were already pretty much doing the business. So you, the action portion was already in motion already, huh? Well, I, now some people say able, and they say, "Wait, well, what, what is that? I mean, how did it? I mean, how did you pick able?" Mm-hmm. And you know, I sat down day one back in 2012, and I came up with this name, and it was through the inspiration of, of the Most High God, my my Lord and Savior. He said, you're going to name this Abel. And I said, huh? I said, Abel, okay. That's how. But then Abel doesn't mean able to. It's not the ability to. It's not the, the, it means achieving better living through empowerment. That's what Abel stands for. We want to empower individuals to care for themselves and to be able to have a knowledge of what they're going through and to let it, to guide them through life's challenge. So that's what Abel really means. Achieving better life through empowerment. Nice, man. That's amazing. That's a great acronym. That is amazing. So you had your idea. You took action on it. That last portion is the two is the thing that connect those two things, audacity. It takes audacity to not only come up with an idea, put action behind it, but to put it out to the world to be praised and or criticized. Who or what gave you that courage, that audacity to actually put able home care out there to the world? Well, you know, some people may agree or disagree, but, you know, if if you stay faithful to God, God will stay faithful to you. And, and you have to be open and people don't understand what I mean. Some people may understand what I'm saying. Some people may not, you know, because we're in different places, spaces in life. But you have to be open, you know, to receive. 
and through my through my personal faith journey and through reading the word and understanding and gaining knowledge from what it is that I've been through uh, from a worldly aspect and then seeing what the spiritual will bring you into. That was the, the, the motivating factor for me. You know, that was the, the thing that brought me out of this situation that I'm currently seeking to reestablish, you know, to go forward with this idea because I could have easily said, you know, I, I just think what I, what I know, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty good as a nurse, um, you know, needs are being met, but at the same time, how can I look across the street from, from where I live at and see someone that is in need and not want to help? So that was the reasoning and that was the audacity. That was the focus that I brought to bring it able to, you know, out of out of this, you know, this this current world that we live in and bringing it forward to where the world can understand that it's not about me. It's never been about me. It's never been about my wife. The idea came from him. But at the same time, we had to put action. And my wife told me, you know, there was some time that me and Hope were looking at each other like, what in the world did we do? Right. <laughs> right. You know, we could be we could be doing way better than we are, you know, if we just let this go. Right. You know, and we had that moment a couple of months ago. <laughs> Talk right. about, I mean, just it was crazy, you know, and, you know, we, we, we paying our bills. We doing what we can. I'm working, you know, day and night, you know, not one job, not two jobs, you know, doing two jobs full time and working. Uh, in a little side hustle, then trying to run the business, you know. And and see, that's the thing that people fail to understand. You know, they think in the day you start business, you're gonna you're gonna be a millionaire. No, no, <laughs> no, no. no. I, I'm here to tell no. you, no, it's not gonna be that way. And and right. the way that I look at it, yes, I could decide to, to shut this whole thing down tomorrow. But you know what thing? I'm not. You know. And me and my wife, we sat down and we we had to pray. I mean, we had to pray. Oh Lord, we prayed and we said, Lord, we just saw them. We said, Lord, if this be your, if this is your if your will for us, then you got you got to help us, you know. And um, right, we, we we you know we had some people that were interested in partnering with us on certain levels, and then you know they disappeared, you know, because they saw you know the cost of being in business. See, some people think that you could take you know thirteen dollars in a book of food stamps. Or EBT card to start a business, right? No, nah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you ain't even start it with you even start that. And you got to have some credit, you got to have some understanding of credit, you got to know exactly what it is that you're doing. Uh, your idea may not be the best, or it may be duplicated in the same space, you know. Right. I've been through a lot of different courses to learn about business, but at the same time, I had to understand where I stood in this in this world. Right. Without question. Like you said, like that's a very key point you just made. You stay faithful to God, he'll stay faithful to you. I definitely believe in that. And that's all the audacity, that's all the courage that you need. And trust me, I definitely understand in terms of when you start something, you don't make money right away. In fact, it may take a year or two or more to even make a profit. But like staying faithful, staying true to what you set out to do, it eventually works out. And it's not always about what you're getting from something, it's about who you're becoming in the midst of your go through. Because what you learn, what I'm learning, I'm sure you've learned this too. Like you're even more resilient than you may have even given yourself credit before. Because working as a nurse, making a good living, and 
pouring it into a business and working the business. Like you said, you and your wife y'all had to pray about not walking away from it. Like, trust me, I, it would have been the easy thing to just shut down the operation and say, you know what? I'm good over here with my nine to five. There's no reason for me to pour into this. But then you have that thing of, well, at least I speak for myself. Then if I, if you shut something down prematurely, I started thinking 30 years, 40 years down the line, I don't want to look back and say, what if I would have kept going? Cause you just never know how close you are to getting that big break. So hats off to you for continuing mm-hmm. to work at it with able home care services, man. And just keep going. Cause eventually something's going to work out. Something big is coming your way, man. Much respect to you. Oh yeah. Um, I do also want to let people know on the podcast, you know, when it does air, we all, we all uh, run a special uh, and, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make sure that um, the special is still intact when this uh, when this podcast actually goes into uh, publication. Okay. August, we're gonna offer individuals who need non-emergency medical transport services. If you're in a wheelchair and you need to be t- you need to be transported to your various destinations in Montgomery, we're gonna do a round trip for those individuals who call us and schedule an appointment. We're gonna run you. To and from your destination for $99 round trip. Wow. That's amazing, man. That is amazing yeah. deal right there. So able right. home care services, LLC doing great things like that for the community. And I know great things are coming down the pipeline. So at least my next portion vision, what are your short-term and long-term goals for the business? Well, I kind of alluded to it, but, you know, before me and my team, we're working on uh, making the home care service, and even the non-emergency medical transport service, uh, the service of choice for individuals here in the um, the River Region. Uh, with that being said, uh, we've been working um, diligently to uh, get our name into different uh, arenas of both the uh, healthcare continuum. You know, we want to build a brand and we have already established the brand, but we want to build on the brand that we've established and we want to offer more and more services. So uh, that's why, you know, personally, I'm going back to school and become a uh, certified wounded ostomy continence nurse so that the individuals who find themselves, you know, in, in, in need for that type of service can call um, upon us to be able to uh, have their private insurance pay for their care. Uh, in addition to that, we are working with various transportation brokers to establish a more consistent um, uh, opportunity to service people who find themselves needing to go to dialysis appointments because we are a Medicaid net um, provider. And if you're not familiar with that, Medicaid has a non-emergency transport provider um, uh, service that, you know, will allow individuals who cannot afford, you know, a private situation to go to their appointments, but uh, it does allow for them to get to their various um, uh, appointments, you know, whether it be dialysis or to their primary care physician or to, you know, or just to, you know, anywhere that the program will allow them to go uh, through their voucher system. Um, We also have opportunity to, uh, you know, create, a situation where if someone comes into uh, the home care service, we're looking at bundling of services so that, you know, we're not charging one price for one thing and another price for the other thing. You know, we want to have it where you can get the home care and the non-emergency transport services in a bundle. 
Uh, so we're working on that, you know, trying to find a price point that's going to be, you know, um, affordable. That's the number one thing, because we want people to not only use us, you know, today we want we want us we want them to use us, you know, for the rest of their lives. We want to build a relationship with individuals and families that, that won't be easily broken, you know. So we want to see them, you know, from ages 18 up until 118, if they live that long, uh, to be able to take advantage of the services that we offer here. And we want to also, you know, push beyond this, this the river region. We want to see, you know, this business grow in a way that we'll be able to employ, you know, individuals. You know, we're not talking about just, you know, us or them or anybody else. We want to see people uh, come into the fold and become uh, partners with us, you know, providing these services to where as we grow, they'll grow. You know, we want people that work for us to be coming to their own level of affluence. We want them to not have to work two or three jobs. We want everyone to be able to have a good paying job. We want them to be able to have benefits. Uh, and that comes about with us, you know, having like-minded individuals come up under our, you know, employment. We want to see people, you know, everybody saying that minimum wage need to be 15. I agree. But until we get to a certain level, we have to be able to be fiscally responsible in this marketplace to where we understand that nothing happens overnight. But if we push forward together with the understanding that this is going to reap a benefit long term, I want to see people making 20, 25 dollars an hour if, if we can afford it. You know, if the business is doing well, I have no problem. You know, with bringing people out of their situations and saying, hey, you did a good job. We're going to give you a raise. Right. You know, you're doing a great job. We're going to give you a raise. We're going to promote you within the organization. We want you to be able to say, you know, I started out as a home care provider, you know, and an attendant in, or a skilled nursing professional, whatever. Uh, and I came under Abel's employment and now. I'm a, a, a shift leader, you know, I'm a supervisor. I'm, you know, over the non-emergency medical transport, you know, I'm a dispatcher, I'm an administrator, you know, all the titles that bring, you know, that, that bring people, you know, happiness and, and affluence. We want to see that happen, not only with, within our own, own ethnic group, but wherever we find ourselves growing to. We want to see that. We want to have everyone to be able to enjoy life. We want to see people with two weeks paid vacation. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, and not have to worry about being called while they're on vacation. You know, so, you know, it's a lot of things that we, we're aspiring to. But at the same time, we have to be you know responsible in what it is we're doing now. And partnerships are key to that. We want to partner with individuals who want to see us, you know, do greater things. Um, in addition to that, there was uh, a period in our business that we were looking to become a nonprofit. I've started the groundwork for that as well. But in order for us to be able to become the nonprofit of choice, we have to have people that, you know, will really want to do this work. But I would rather see the home care service, you know, survive and thrive and then bring the home and then bring the uh the non the nonprofit aspect into bear because I know there's a, a greater number of people who will benefit from the nonprofit than they would from the for-profit organization that we currently are. So we want to we want to cover all, you know, both sides of the equation. We want to be a for-profit and a nonprofit. We want to see people near and far, you know, be able to reap the benefits of what we have to offer. Uh, we do have a website, you know, if anybody's interested in looking at it, 
Uh, our website address is www.ableinhome.com, and that's A-B-L-E-I-N-H-O-M-E.com. You know, check us out on the web, you know, and um, our site is ever evolving. And if there's something that we have not, you know, uh, uh, initiated, if you have an idea on what we could do to make things better within the communities that we serve, we, we have open, you know, we have an open phone line. Our phone number is 334-612-7252. Uh, you can call anytime, you know, during the week. Uh, unless there's an emergency, and then you can call on the weekends as well. But we want to be able to provide our services 24 hours a day, seven days a week to whomever needs that service. Yes, sir. And of course, I'll put the website as well as the social media handles in the description of the episode. And those are some great short-term and long-term goals. I have no doubt you'll make them all come to fruition. And before I get you out of here, I want to ask a million-dollar question. I started this podcast to highlight the greatness connected with Montgomery. Whether you were born here or lived here for a significant period of your life, be it college, military, or work, you being here by way of the business and work you're doing as a you you're doing as an REM. I want to ask you, Lamar, what do you appreciate the most about the Gump? The Gump has unlimited opportunities. I mean, it's it's too much to. I mean, if you really look at Montgomery, we have an opportunity not only to grow but to thrive we we could be the center of you know i hate to say it but why can't montgomery be the center of all things cultural all things you know financial you know we don't have to look to, to new york we don't have to look to atlanta there's enough potential in this state in montgomery to bring all the things that people have wanted and needed and desired to to come to pass, but we just have to be led, you know, and there's no one person that can do that. We all have a part to play in the development of Montgomery, the West side, the East side, the South side, the North side, there's unlimited potential in Montgomery, but we have to come together in a way that makes sense. Montgomery is is on the verge of greatness, but you know, people just have to understand, we got to do the work. No one's going to do it for us. It's right, without be question. Right. Without question. And you hit the nail on the head. We have a potential for growth and all these other places we run to. We can be that. And it starts with people like yourself and other entrepreneurs in the city that are providing those services that our people typically go elsewhere to get. And that's great. And like, I'm glad you touched on that. Hey, Lamar, I appreciate you, man. I thank you again for this conversation. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day, man. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, you know, just to, you know, share share some of my wisdom and some of my, you know, experiences, you know, throughout life. And I hope that anything that I have said during this will touch someone in a way to to help them to grow, you know, because life is not a it's not a sprint, it's a journey. And I'm enjoying my journey every day. <laughs> yes, sir, without a question. Good people, that concludes another dope episode of the Gumtown Podcast. In the meantime, in between time, y'all know what to do. Be blessed, be safe, but most importantly, have the audacity to be you. Go on. Thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate your time and your attention. Until next time.